Hey folks, it's Jeff Wenzel from the Woodshed Agency, and you are listening to my podcast called Successfully Funded. Here we go. Let's turn it up. All right, crowdfunders, how's everybody doing out there in crowdfunding land? Hopefully everybody is raising the money they need to get their projects off the ground or, uh, you know, get that second version out there. So coming up on today's episode, um, we got, I I think this is going to be a special one, frankly. Um, We decided to kind of flip some roles a little bit. So this whole week, you know, for content, I've kind of been focusing on the struggles of what it is to be an entrepreneur because I think so many people are jumping into crowdfunding and not really understanding sacrifice that it takes or how much work is really going on behind the scenes. So I wanted to, you know, kind of show all the scars that are around myself, Sean. And the way we did that is I actually had Paul, our other business partner, who doesn't really know some of the stories um, from the the last 10, 12 years with uh, Sean and I um, in our two other uh, startup companies that ultimately failed. So we wanted to kind of just discuss you know, everything, you know, where, you know, where we went wrong, um, you know, stupid things we did. We definitely cracked a lot of jokes and a lot of smiles up around the stupid stuff. But I think the important thing is to just hear um, how we talk about our failures. And it's, it is a trendy thing. And obviously in the startup world, it's actually like, it's, it's almost worn like a badge of honor, you know, oh, how many have you failed? And I take a little bit of exception to that because, you know, I don't think anybody wants to discuss failing, right? You know, these scars that I have from the last two adventures, you know, they hurt, (laughs) you know, yeah, they've shaped me to, you know, maybe be a little bit smarter, but, you know, when you're in the moment and you're making these decisions and you have that energy at that time or, um, or you, you know, you, that headspace you might be in or the the variables that are around you. No family, family, where do you live, how much money you have. You make decisions based off of that stuff. So, you know, so to say that, hey, how many of you failed is some great thing, you know, fuck that a little bit, you know? It'd be much better to have success, but not the reality, right? So, so like I said, in the conversation today, uh, you know, Paul Luan interviews me and Sean, and we we just deep dive into um, the Sugar People, which yeah, it was a band, but it was ran like a startup, um, and into how that flipped into Groovebox Studios, which was a um, franchise recording studio model, which ultimately failed, um, and how that has spun into Woodshed Agency, and and I think I don't know, I think this is going to be a pretty pretty special episode. I f- um, I felt like the conversation was really good, it was really open and honest, and. You know, um, Sean and I don't hold anything back. You can ask us anything. Um, just flat out, we've done some absolutely dumb stuff. Absolutely dumb stuff. And I know if you're out there and you're an entrepreneur or you've done a, or you might even have a failed crowdfunding campaign, you know, you've probably done some stupid stuff. I, um, you know, one of the probably, you know, so I, so for some of you that don't know, you know, I'll give anybody 20 minutes of time. You know, if you want to talk about your project or, what you're working on, you just literally sign up through the website and, and, and you talk to me, literally, uh, and I'll talk. And the number one thing from every single 
can't, uh, crowdfunding call that I get is people launch them before they're ready. That's it. And I know that everybody's like, oh, I, I'm, you know, I have to do it by this date. That's the other one. You know, no date should be determining anything. It should be all data driven based on how many people um, are, you know, are, are participating or in your world. So whenever I hear that, I just know that, yeah, they had their best intentions, but ultimately they launched before they were ready. And, you know, patience is just such a hard thing to have when, you know, your finances are on the line or, you know, you, you know, this dealer will only give you this cost if you do it this year because it might change by next year. All of those variables truly, I don't think they matter. What matters is do you have a community of people talking about you? And can you measure that community? I don't even care if it's 20 people. As long as there's 20 people, it's 20 people. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a strong number. You know, if, if you just say, oh, I think I got a whole bunch. Mm, you don't have any then. And that, that truly, truly is probably the number one thing I'm hearing over and over. We, I mean, I probably do 20 to four, between 20 to 40 calls a week. I'm doing everyone basically the same thing. I probably shouldn't have launched it, but now I did. And now I'm, now I'm trying to just, you know, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? So, so yeah, so flipping switch a little bit here. Last night I had my very first parent teacher conference. Yeah, that's right. For my kindergartner Atticus. And I'm proud to say that he's doing well. Um, you know, no major issues. He's not an idiot. So that's a good thing, right? You know? Um, but yeah, he's doing well. Smart kid. The teacher teacher enjoys him. And I'm sure the teacher likes all the kids. You know? So uh, I'm definitely not in the... But I'm a proud dad today. You know? I'm proud. He's doing well. You know? He, he um, uh, Real good in math. Uh, work is still working on that reading. You know? Um, he's 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 not uh, not gifted in that field yet. But he is five, so let's get. I give him a little bit of a break, but, uh, but yeah. So that was last night. So nice, emotional evening to just go in and, and kind of have that first. You know, um, you know, it's been basically thirty days he's gone to school, right? <laughs> so, um, but just to kind of get an understanding um, of where he is. So that was last night. That was a really really cool night. And then the other nice thing is uh, my wife and I got to actually go out and have a beer together. Um, which never happens because of babysitters, life, and all that stuff. So, so a nice little evening last night. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, so when you hear all this talk about how the wife doesn't like me, you know, sometimes I think she likes me. Sometimes, I guess that's still up for debate. Um, oh, I think my mom's calling. Hold on, a quick second later. Let me take this call. Let me see what my mom's up to. What's up, Mama Bear? dad that killed each other what <laughs> did you see that in the news i did not where the, cu- where the couple killed each other well i don't know if they killed each other it was heroin overdose oh you guys aren't but, doing heroin down there cool no not today it's on uh riley street where the couple was found dead this morning oh, all man. over the news oh man but, big time dundee news there, everybody i know i know not good yuck great so what are you doing well, right now I'm actually recording uh, the intro for the for my podcast that's coming out tomorrow, and um, I'm uh, have I have your uh, this message on there. So, so what? I'm, I have you what? talking right now. You're you're on the podcast. Oh, really? Isn't yeah. that something? Wow. Yeah. Everybody's everybody hears Cookie's voice finally. Oh no. Yeah. Well, I feel bad about the couple. You know, for the people that they left, twenty and twenty eight years old. Uh, it's very sad. Very sad. 
and they sell it's heroin. So overdoses, okay. yuck. Okay. So that's the news here in Dundee. Big time. That's what's going on. Yeah, Big I time. Know. That was sad. Well, uh, do you work today? Can I call you back in a minute? Yep. I do not work. I'm going to get my hair done, and I'll be around. Okay. Right? Well, I'll call you back in a little bit. Wow, that just happened, didn't it? We just had Cookie on the podcast. I didn't think that was going to ever happen. I really didn't. So uh, that's Cookie. All right. So, um, so uh, yeah, that's my mom. Uh, just By the way, that was a random call where it's just like, I'm not connected into the small town that I grew up. Uh, I'm who is living or dying or the news that's coming out. And I know that that's big news down there. But the funniest where my mom just called out of the blue um, happened the other day where it was, she just called and she's just like, Jeff. Oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah. They just cut all the hairs off the horses. Yep. Yeah. I guess horse hair is worth a ton of money. Did you know that? And I'm just, what are you talking about? Mother? What are you talking about? I have no idea what you're talking about. And she's just rambling about this horse. And then it turns out like, the farm that we get pumpkins from in this small town, apparently there's um, some, some, hood, you know, some kids going around and they cut the hair off the horse. Okay. You know, or, or off the, you know, and that's awful. I'm not denying that that's awful. I just had no context or have any idea what my mom was talking about for like 20 minutes. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know who's cutting horse hair. I don't even know what you're, why you think I would know this. You know, the news doesn't get to Farmington. You know, it doesn't get to me uh, that quickly that um, some drama is happening, just like what you just heard there. So, all right, that's enough of my mom and a little insight into the Wenzel uh, family. Um, do, okay, you know, I say this every time, every podcast, but this is what I need you guys to do if you're enjoying the podcast. Make sure you're telling a friend. Go tell somebody. Send them an email right now. Go say, hey, before you crowdfund, make sure you check out this podcast. This is a this is what you should listen to. Uh, so you're, hopefully you're subscribing on iTunes. If you don't like iTunes, you can go over to Stitcher. Um, and eventually, maybe I'll get over on Google Play, but I, I, I'm focusing on iTunes. So let's just go to iTunes for right now. Um, if you want to dive deeper into the conversations, go to our Slack channel. Um, you can dive in there. You just sign up through the website. And you can talk to myself, Paul, or Sean anytime you want, ask any questions. And you know, we're on there basically 24 7. We'll answer it. And there's a great community there um, that of, of crowdfunders. So sign up, go there. And um, yeah, hopefully you're reading the blogs. Hopefully you're enjoying all the content out there. But, uh, and hopefully you guys are having a great week. But let's kick it to um, it's not even my conversation. Let's kick it to where I'm actually being interviewed with Sean um, by Paul. So hopefully you guys all got that. I'm being interviewed, and Sean's being interviewed by our bit third business partner, Paul Luan, about the scars unseen from the last two, uh, our, our Sean and I's last two um, startup companies. So here we go. Here's our conversation. When I was at the age of 16, my eyes were fixed on a We've all been on the episode, the podcast before, so. Well, I'm officially recording this, so. Yeah, and, uh, and Nash is stomping in the hallway. Yeah, that's all right. Just it, hey, but this is what it's like to be entrepreneurs, right? Yeah. Kids, stop, kids stomping in the background. So, um, 
so all right, let's just kick it off here. The um, you know the successfully funded podcast. We talk about success after success after success, and and yet you know there's this strain out there in in the you know the entrepreneurial conversation about you know about failure, about the importance of failure, about fail faster, about you know Elon Musk says you know if you're not failing, you're not innovating enough. And, you know, as a, as a business, we're no strangers to failure. So let's flip the tables and talk about failure. And, um, Sean and Jeff, you've both, uh, uh, you've had two failed businesses. Uh, why don't you just, uh, tell everybody about that? Sure. I can kick it off. Um, so, some people might not know that our, our first kind of company between Sean and I was a band called the sugar people. And we really ran that not as a band, but more as a, you know, as a small business. And I think that's what is something that set us apart at the time. Um, you know, we were still obviously being creative, but really behind the scenes, if you really broke down, um, you know, our strategies and how we approach stuff, it was very, very business oriented. And, um, you know, so that was definitely the first one. Uh, first company that obviously we can get into, you know, what our, what, what our heads were around that time. But, and then that morphed into, um, as it was failing, that morphed into Groovebox Studios, which was um, definitely had more success than, than, than the band, uh, but ultimately had the same outcome. So those are the, those are the two companies that Sean and I have been working on for, God, what is it, 10 years, 12 years? What, really? how, how long have we been running up the, uh, pushing 12? the rock up the hill? 12, 12 years, years now? pushing the rock, yeah. Yeah. And then now we're sitting here as Woodshed Agency, which, um, you know, we're hoping doesn't have the same outcome. <laughs> <laughs> but, but if it does, we know how to handle it. <laughs> yeah, we do. Which is, you know, I don't, I don't, I wish I did it, but yeah. we do. Well, I think, you know, I think that failure is an interesting word when we talk about this, right? Because, you know, yes, technically they're failures. You know, the bank accounts are closed, the the businesses are shuttered. They're not they're not in operation anymore. But um, I like to think of it as, you know, those are businesses where we learned how to do the wrong things. <laughs> you know, we, we learned what those paths are. Okay, let's not do that again. You know, but um, yeah, I, I think they're necessary steps in evolution. You know, there's, I can think back to pivotal moments early in the sugar people days, you know, where, um, you know, we talk about running it as a business, you know, what we were really trying to make was a content creation company. You know, we wanted to just create as much music as humanly possible and and use social media. This is the dawn of social media. It was on MySpace still to, uh, to distribute it, you know, and, doing live shows was always a challenge for us. And I remember, you know, there was at one point, you know, we were playing in a local bar in Ann Arbor, you know, we had committed to doing, you know, two shows a week, you know, every weekend. And I remember at one point, Jeff and I are sitting out on my front porch and he's just losing his mind on me about what are we doing? You know, this is, this is so far away from what we started this thing for. It was almost like, a quasi argument, but it was that real first moment where we were able to, to really analyze what's happening in the moment, speak honestly with each other and not walk away, piss each other, but using that energy and that, that situation to come up with a solution, implement it and, and, you know, make the correction, you know, that was a really, 
important moment in, in the early days of that project that I think gave him and I the communication mechanisms to be able to talk to each other when something's really, really wrong or really, really good and um, approach it professionally and, and, and figure out how that affects the business. And that, that was, I think, one of the most valuable um, fruits of failure <laughs> that, that came from the Sugar People days with us. It, you know, um, I, I think that's a good point. You know, we've, we've got clients, we have conversations with clients, and, you know, a lot of them, you know, say that, you know, this is their first crowdfunding project, and what they hope is they can, you know, they hope they're starting a business that's going to sustain them, you know, that's going to be this enduring thing, you know, but the, you know, reality as demonstrated by, you know, your history with the sugar people and with, uh, and with GBS is that businesses fail. So what's the right way to be looking at, you know, if it, if it's, if it's not, Hey, I'm creating this thing that's going to sustain me and my family forever that, you know, if that's the wrong lens, what's the right lens? What's the right way to look at it? See, I, I, I think for me, that's where my, my biggest struggle is, is I've never even thought that far ahead. I, I think I've been so wrapped up in an idea or, it, it, you know, or trying to be ahead of the curve or, you know, passionate about something that my lens is probably always foggy that if I was that reserved about an idea or if I just stopped and said, okay, let's really think this through for like a solid year, you know, <laughs> and then we'll do it. By that time, I think I would be, I would have lost interest. I think that's, you know, so I think having that sort of, you know, I, well, it's funny. I, I just got done recording the intro for today's podcast. Right. And, I, you know, the wife and I are fighting again because we're back in that sort of, um, you know, uncertainty about stuff, right? Where I wish everything was so, you know, okay, great. We have a hundred thousand dollars. I'll just pull a little bit, pull a little bit, pull a little bit. This is what I make per week. Everything is, you know, but it's just, it's not reality when you really get into this where it's, you know, you're scrapping. It's like, a, you know, you're, you're, you're just trying to figure everything out as it's going. And then, and then because of our industry we're in, you have titan, you know, titanic shifts going on in, in Facebook or this is the new tool everybody's using because the results are happening. So, you know, it's almost impossible, I think, for me to have that sort of that lens on. But I think then it gets into the importance of having somebody in your team that has, you know, is looking at it that way so that you're balancing each other out from passion to um uh, to reality, to, you know, uh, to just being patient maybe with something and letting what possibly is a good idea just have the actual time to grow. Um, yeah. yeah. I think, you know, that ability to kind of suspend the um, predictable channels of income for a moment in lieu of polishing the idea you know that i think that is at the core of our, of being an entrepreneur you know if if you went into a business or an idea right away and say okay i've got to make x amount per week or i'm not going to try this it's gonna you're never gonna get off the ground because there are incubation periods there are periods of chaos where you don't know what it's going to be you know it could be a great success or a great failure financially from the beginning and you just don't know you know so you know, I think that's one of the struggles when you get into the areas of uncertainty, you know, 
we know as entrepreneurs, that's the exciting time because it's like, man, this could really pop. You know, you change one little thing, one little lever, one 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 way of communication, one one approach to a tool, and all of a sudden it's rolling. And I think we've experienced that with Woodshed, you know, with with client acquisition in, in this podcast. But um, yeah, that's that's kind of what sucks about being an entrepreneur is you, you have to embrace the ambiguity and and when you have relationships and obligations and responsibilities in your life that's going to create conflict you know and and, I, and I, again that's where I kind of go back to that moment in sugar people is we figured out early when those stresses come up how to communicate through those moments of doubt and moments of uncertainty so that you know emotional and and um those kind of stresses don't color the necessary business decisions. So, um, so, you know, let me, you know, I want to be the outsider and, you know, I'm, I'm the guy looking in at this, you know, who doesn't understand, you know, failure, you know, that, um, and, and yet there's this conversation about the importance of failure, you know, um, and, and I think, uh, you know, a question that I have, and you know, it, you just touched on it here, Sean. You know, the idea that you know, um, that you know, it, it's it's hard to to have certainty. You know, uh, I think a uh, you know a big thing is about believing in yourself, and I think that's a, uh, a a challenge for a lot of folks. Jeff, I remember talking with you. Uh, at, at one point and you know you were supposed to be going to college and instead of going to college you spent your college money creating a studio yep <laughs> that uh that and that, and that, that I mean, that's pretty big uh, issue with my parents <laughs> that is insane <laughs> to the outsider that's insane they can't you know how does somebody get to the point where they understand that well, I, you know, I, I think that's something that you're either born with or you don't have it. I don't know if that's something that, you know, you can just all of a sudden do because I, I agree with you. Every time that I people tell me, you know, or I tell that story to people, they just look at me like I'm in basically I'm a lunatic at that point. And, and they have a right to look at that. My wife still looks at me like I'm a lunatic half the time with that stuff. Right. But when you when you have this sort of belief in, I don't even know if it's your destiny or whatever it is, you just have this belief that, no, the outcome will be fine. I mean, what's, you know, in that scenario, what was the worst case scenario? You know, when I, and when I break that down or if I find that workaround and I'm just like, what, what could it be? I can go get, you know, there's more money in the world, right? There's, uh, but there's definitely not another chance to, a little more in in depth that story. You know, my, girlfriend at the time's parents gave me a farmhouse when does that happen to most people right so you have to i had an opportunity it was in front of me i decided to take it um you know so that's where i think everybody has to kind of have that sort of i have no issues jumping into the deep end (laughs) at any moment if i think that the outcome's gonna be good i think paul you and i've discussed this which is why we flip through our tools so quickly or i do personally because i have no issue dropping something if i feel like i can save five more minutes down the road or if it makes it better we are currently doing that right now with a tool called zencaster i mean we're in the middle of it where i decided you know what i don't really like what skype's doing paul you gave me a suggestion let's freaking try it you know 
so I think this is a small example. You're giving me the big example, you know, that I've had in my life. But, but I think that's something that I expect that if somebody is coming up to crowdfunding, they've probably already made those jumps in their life to some degree on other things, whatever it might be, you know, because I think it's such a vulnerable thing, especially doing a Kickstarter to say, I'm going to put this possible failure that could be out there. I'm going to put my idea publicly and say, you know, I believe that I need to use this um, thing that keeps my shoes tied, this plastic thing. I'm going to believe in this. That if that fails, you look like a failure. So already that to me is somebody, you know, they, they don't just have their toe in the deep end at that moment in their brain. They've jumped in. So we just, you know, now it's just pulling them farther, you know? It's like, well, we're in the deep end, but let's go out to the ocean, you know? Let's, let's go farther. Um, Here's the thing about the decision Jeff made, though, right? So think about it. You were what, 18 when you did that? And, oh, between 18 to 20. The, okay, so... I took out that money sure. in chunks. I didn't do it all in one shot. Yeah. If you guys want to know how to do that, I can uh, break down that strategy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look, there's this microphone. Man. Yeah, I, I know, got it. I know you that mic. If I don't have the mic, I'm not going to be able to record anybody. <laughs> but here's here's a you know. Remember, I jumped on the train well after this period, right? So, here, look at it from this perspective. You know, I, I answered a Craigslist ad for this. Not even like he didn't list it as a band. He said, "I get this music idea that's looking for a drummer, right? And, and here's the parameters. And if you're that guy, check it out." And the thing I don't, I don't get like a song or, 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 Hey, come check me out. He sends me two videos, right? And these videos are like in the, you gotta remember the early, early days of creative commons. These are using like these old Western movie footages and montages and all this stock imagery with this really killer song. And I'm like, Holy shit, this is way different than anything I've ever checked out. I gotta see what the hell's inside this guy's head. And the first conversation I have with him, you know, he tells me about, yeah, you know, I was getting ready to go to college. I sold everything and, you know, or, you know convinced my parents to let me use all the money to, to make this farmhouse studio. And I made 40 songs, you know, like that right there. He didn't even realize it. That's like the classic entrepreneurial decision. Here's my resources. Here's my skill set. Here's what I want to do. I'm not going to just make one of them. I'm going to make 40. Now, imagine, imagine coming to the plate launching and saying, I have 40 pieces of content, let's go do some stuff. When you talk in the music world, if a band writes one like hit song or, or one thing that works, that's a high five all the way around, and this guy's sitting on 40 pieces of amazing content, right? That's That attracts other entrepreneurs, that attracts other creatives. And from the very beginning of that process, when you get that farmhouse, when he's telling that story to the right people, sure, some people think he's a lunatic, other people are like, what can I do to sing on that? What can I do to be part of that? You know, and he was always looking for those other team members, those other resources, or those other opportunities that can help enhance the vision. And, you know, at 18, it was wired into him. He just needed an arc of time to learn and grow with that, to realize that it wasn't, you know, a music ambition. It was a business ambition. I yeah, so um, so he, uh, another thing I'd like to talk about um, is perfection as a as a goal. You know, one of the things that we've talked about was, you know, you spent a lot of money, you know, a lot of money at one point, 
you know, building the perfect mixing board. And uh, <laughs> one of the, yeah, one of the things that we've talked, and you can you can describe that board in just a second. Um, uh, but one of the things that we've talked about lately is you know the you know at the speed of social media, um, you know, good enough is better than perfect in a, in a lot of ways. So I'd, I'd love to hear you uh, break that down and, you know, talk about, you know, how that's true. Because I think in a lot of cases, failure, uh, uh, you know, there's this sort of uh, fear of failure is, you know, goes hand in hand with, a, you know, we've got to get it perfect. And uh, so I'd love to hear what you have to say about that. I mean, I, I think I, I'm the one who's, I don't believe that there's any that there's anything close to perfect out there, especially in the industry we're in. It literally is changing so fast that if you say you're perfect in something, I know you're lying to me because it just doesn't exist. I mean, so, so I don't think, and, and I, the thing is, I can't tell if this is a, a Midwest or a Detroit attitude of like, you know, I think a lot of the art around here, a lot of the world that we in, that we're in is just, you just start it. You just try and you just start seeing what happens, and you grow from there. And, I mean, if again, if you want to look at GBS, go break down the first, I don't know, Sean, how many first 20 videos where we had no idea what we were doing. You know, um, literally just... Two, two flip cameras. Yeah, two no flip cameras idea. from Best Buy, no lighting, no idea what we are doing. And it just kept getting better and better and better. And I think, you know... Uh, th- this probably exists for a lot of tech products. You know, it's like your first prototype's obviously not perfect right away. So I think you can't have, or, or you can't be handcuffed by this world of perfection. And if you, if you have that trait, you're probably actually not an entrepreneur. I mean, really. I mean, I just, you know, it just cannot exist. It has to be um, uh, the the want to just start no matter what. You know, put a line in the sand and start today. Whatever you want to do, you know. Whatever you know, yeah. I mean, we're, our, this podcast is an example, right? We talked about it for what two weeks, three weeks, and we just started it. If you listen to the first ones, probably not as good. <laughs> you know, you could feel us getting our feet wet. You know, and and at some point, it's like, hey, I think we might know what we're doing. We, we this can get better. You know, um, and is it perfect right now? No, we're changing. We again, we're on. This is our example. We're change. We changed the tool right now. We're still tweaking and still trying to get it better and still trying to find the formula. So, I think that is that sort of that is a core mentality you have to have. That failure, you know, will produce it. So, woodshed agencies, I think, running a whole lot smoother than sugar people, GBS. You know, because. Well, we're not making a lot of the same mistakes in this first year. Well, I think, you know, let's talk about that, right? So, you know, little little context, you know, uh, the sugar people's failure really came about where, where Jeff and I were really the only people um, thinking of it and driving it like a business. And some of the, the other performers and, and singers just weren't fitting that mold. So... Along the course of doing that, we have this other idea that's almost correcting that problem, right? And saying, hey, you know, what if we just take all this gear that we've been building since Jeff had a farmhouse, <laughs> you know, that, that I piled on and all of a sudden it got out of control. Let's take it to this little, you know, square concrete room in this abandoned factory in Detroit. And let's record other bands and, and do videos of other bands with these really strict rules, right? So for the first time, what you're seeing is you're seeing focus. Right, it went from like let's focus on everything 
let's narrow that focus down. And, you know, what ended up happening is when we stuck to those rules and we stuck to the simplicity of it and just do it 200 times until you, you figure out how to do it well, things were going great. When what we got distracted by, you know, I think this was a very, a product of our, our location and our time, you know, everything around Detroit right now is acquire property, you know, renovate, it's going to triple in, in value, right? You know, because of the booming economy around here and all, all the entrepreneurial forces and all, all the mechanisms are, are centered around, you know, making the city great. And, and uh, it, it took us a while to accept that what we had was you know, very, very strict rules of doing something very well that we figured out after doing 200 of them, you know, and then crowdfunding was a part of that. And I think what, what ultimately failed GBS is we were buying too much into that focus on place, focus on thing, focus on space and all these things that were super high cost. And, you know, for that to fail, the big lesson we took away was, no, no, it's the simplicity of the idea, the focus of the idea, the, the laser beam precision on what it is that we do well and, you know, how to, to never stray from that is why I think Woodshed is working so well in the beginning because we literally don't have space, a place, you know? We've made investment in a laptop is probably like the only physical thing. We're, we're very, very focused on technique, method, and that those things that we've learned from, you know, hundreds and hundreds of successes of doing the thing, but also realizing where it'll go off the rails from those other failures. Cool. So, um, so what's, you know, what's really interesting, I think, is, um, you know, the, the idea that this sort of failure cycle, you know, you may not be setting yourself up with, uh, You may not be setting yourself up with a business that's going to sustain you forever, but you're um, you're learning things from each cycle that makes you you know makes all your business activities better going forward. And you know it feels you know very different than the than the corporate world where uh, your uh, you know nobody asks you to list on your resume all of the high profile failures that you've had. They want to know about your successes before they hire you. And, you know, people lose their jobs over failure, you know, in the, you know, in the mainstream business world. Uh, entrepreneurism has this sort of, you know, failure at, at the, at the heart of it. And yet I don't think anybody talks about it well at all. Even entrepreneurs, they talk about their successes. They don't talk about their failures. Um, what do you, you know, what do you think about, you know, how do you, how do we get to a point where we can talk about failure well, you know? Uh, I think you have to have a good sense of humor about the failure, to be honest with you. You know, I think that you can't be ashamed of it. You mentioned the mixing board. Let's talk about a great story of, of it was doomed from the start, right? Jeff, set up like the the white whale of this student mixing console for you in your life. Uh, so it's what I learned on. Uh, I had a mentor when I was around nineteen twenty that um, you know showed me 
really high-end um, production work and what this board could sound like. And he had one uh, in his basement. And just researching on it, it was incredibly, incredibly rare board. Um, I mean, I think at that time there might have been four or five uh, maybe even 10 tops in the whole world of the Studer 189. And uh, I basically spent the next 15 years of my life looking for the parts um, because I had to have one at some point in my life because I really thought that this was uh, something that needed to be in the in the studio. It would be a part of my sound. It would be, the story would be legendary at some point. You know, all these sort of, you know, um, things to think Grandiose. of. So, yeah, exactly. And these are, you know, and, and it, you say to me, said for me, like, like I had at one point, I think I had like five drum sets, 40 snare drums, you know, like, cause they're all so special. This one drum is really going to make the difference. Right. And what was happening is, you know, that's our like love of the stuff, our love of the gear, the, the hobby side of it. Right. What, 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 what should be like the, Hey, if you want to knock, knock that out and hang out with that in your basement, that's great. But the, you know, the funny mistake we were making is, we already had GBS humming along and almost looking at going in other cities because of the simplicity of the idea, right? And we, we were basically, everything was looking good and sounding good, but it was, you know, realizing that these things are basically going up on Vimeo and YouTube, right? That's where they're being consumed. That's where they're being listened. All of a sudden, we get it in our head. So what, what do we spend? <laughs> you know, like, was it 20 Yeah, it's like 15 I think it was yeah. all said and done. Yeah. So we're not paying ourselves really, right? No. <laughs> This, this thing is like living month to month. This thing could collapse, and somehow we convince ourselves to spend fifteen thousand dollars on this white whale mixing console. And I, I swear to God, we had the conversations that once we have this thing, people will flock to us. It's like that Field of Dreams speech: like if they build it, they will come. Yeah. And it's like no, if we build it, we're just going to have this pretty cool thing sitting in the corner of a again a square concrete room in the middle of an abandoned factory. And every once in a while, a gear nerd would go, oh, that scooter, that's cool. $15,000, thank you. <laughs> you know, yeah. Imagine imagine if we had redirected that, you know, that, that effort, those funds, you know, probably still would have failed, but maybe failed later or less heartache. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, that's, that's how failures happen, though, right? Like, you get yourself, you go down this wrong path of thought, and next thing you know, you're you're buying parts from four different countries, having a maniac assemble it for you, which let me tell you, this wasn't like, Hey, we built it. It was amazing. Like it was a year and a half of turmoil and, and fighting with this guy yeah. building this damn board for us. You know? But, but you, you know, what's intriguing though. I mean, what was, what's popping in my head though, as we're, we're discussing this is this is that, you know, how do you know in the moment, the right or wrong decisions, right? So in the moment though, you know, Think of, we'll go back to that time. You know, we had venture capital money in us. So, so mm-hmm. that planted this seed of like, we have to grow, we have to get bigger, we have to get bigger, we have to do this, we have to do this, right? So that took our eye off the, the ball. Then we, we started working out of Chicago. Then we started working out of uh, Chapel Hill. Then we had this idea that we have to get bigger and better bands, right? So, so what was a simple idea, all of a sudden, because of these other, you know, entities around us started planting these seeds in our brain and and you know what we were you know it was adding fuel to the fire we were like yeah we got to get bigger and and part of that the getting the board was like yeah but if we get the the board we're going to get the bigger bands right the bigger bands equal this you know so that's really when you stand back on it we got out of the driver's seat and let some of these other you know 
outside forces get in the driver's seat and push the ideas and push our agendas. And we, at that time, weren't strong enough to stand back and go, what the fuck are we doing? You know, (laughs) what are we doing? We never had, we did that. And yet already in year one, without calling people out, we've had that around us a little bit in Woodshed. And we, I don't think we've been great at it still because i think we're nice guys but this is the first time that we've actually said you know what we're good for a little bit here we've got to focus you know uh, you know we don't need to go buy a building we don't need to partner with some entity that we don't that doesn't make sense we just don't need it because i think we've learned that like it isn't just that buying of the board right it's what you just described. It's the year and a half of dealing with the person who's building the board incorrectly and you're fighting there. That's all time and energy taken away from the simplicity of whatever it takes to actually get your business to go. Yeah. And ultimately for nothing. Right? Yeah, ultimately, ultimately for nothing. For, ultimately for a thing that, that sat in my attic for a while. Yep. Sat in my garage. <laughs> in your, your garage. <laughs> and eventually went to some guy in Cleveland who, does, who still will email me and go, I don't get how it works. Awesome. <laughs> Good luck to you. Yeah, so now I'm now I'm tech support for the board for some guy in Cleveland who bought it from me. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, it's just, I mean, there's so many things, right? Like in the Sugar People days, you know, we, we again not to throw people under the bus because you know we had a guy who, you know, like me, had performed in some very professional things, but now he's in his 40s, and he was kind of looking at us and he's like, "You mean we're going to go play a show without road cases? What are you talking about?" This isn't pro. And Jeff and I are like, oh, man, he's right. We know. And we got to have these giant road cases to, to go perform at the Ann Arbor Street Art Fair. You know, yep. <laughs> we just pile their shit in scions and backpacks. You know, but next thing we know, here I am hunting down some dude in Jackson who is 50 years old and washed up, buying like 20 flight cases for a local band's drum sense, amps, and guitars. And to the point where we would have to rent a U-Haul trailer yeah. to, go, to go play a bar down the street. Paul, I know you don't and get this. We were ready to tour the world at, at the drop of a dime. <laughs> drop of a dime. <laughs> With flight cases and semi-trucks, we were ready. And keep in mind, we had to load these things into a basement, right? Yeah. So at the end of the show, Jeff and I come back, and it's like hours after everyone's gone, and here we are. Like waddling down like an outside Auntie Am tornado trap door into the basement yeah. of this house with these white cases. And, and I swear to God, some of these, you know, there's lessons that linger. As we talk right now, I am staring at number seven flight case, the one we couldn't get rid of, is sitting in my office right now. Hold, it's basically where my shit I don't use anymore yeah. goes into. Flight case I'm number seven. Right at it. There's this great photo. Talk about storage, right? At one point, you know, we're, we're like, man, we're sick of hauling this shit up and down these stairs. Why don't we we keep renting a U-Haul trailer? Why don't we rent a space in the U-Haul? <laughs> so so yeah. this is great. This is great photo. If you want to understand, like, how you can get lost in the delusion of a mistake, there's this great photo of me and Jeff after unloading after, again, another local bar show. These, like, 12 cases rolling. We got a photo of us outside the storage shed sitting on them. Super proud. Like, look at us. We're a super touring band. All of our shit's in these big black boxes. We're going to roll it in here and pay 50 bucks a month to store it until we play the local bar again. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, you know, that's a great narrative. Because that's, because what you did, you know, over a series of decisions, you doubled down on the failure. You know, there was no yeah. fail faster there. <laughs> we're going to double down on it. You know, we're going to 
well, we made this investment. And now we're <laughs> obligated to make this next investment. And now we're obligated to make yeah. this next investment. And, uh. and way down the rabbit hole and, you know, and double down on failure. And I think, you know, the, the, the message of, of, of failure is don't do that. You know, fail, fail, recognize your failures, fail faster. Don't make those kinds of decisions, you know? Yeah. I don't, I don't bemoan it. Right. Because it's one of those things like in the moment, it seemed like perfectly logical, but having a sense of humor about it, being able to say, yeah, (laughs) that was really stupid. Um, when we see those coming now, and there's, there's been moments in Woodshed, like very recent, where we're sitting back, we're like, oh, yeah, I can see where this is going. Nope. Time to buy Let's a building. Away from that. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, that's nope. amazing. Did we all, the three of us, not look at a gigantic movie set building a year ago? Yeah. Nine, nine months ago? So, 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 you know, so then what we're really discussing is the. Frankly, somebody in the team having the balls to go, uh, I don't know about this, <laughs> you know, to yeah. actually stop the train. Because, yeah. you know, Sean, you and I were talking about this. Uh, we, we, there was a story of um, we really felt like we had to hire this entertainment attorney, you know, again or oh. whatever, right? And we're in my kitchen uh, in Ipsy, and we've got two of our other band members. And it, it really was me, like, convincing them we got to get the money, whatever it was, 10000 a huge amount of money, 50, yeah, to hire this guy. And these guys were so ready. To, they were going to sell their, um, their appliances, like a refrigerator, oven, stuff from their house so that we could get the money to go hire this entertainment attorney. And, it, I mean, we were like gung-ho, this is going to happen. And at some point, it was just like, what are we doing? I'm not taking the refrigerator from my bass player. <laughs> to, we, what? We were literally Dirk Diggler sitting outside of <laughs> recording. Just like, just give us a lawyer, yeah. and the magic will happen. Yeah. It's a certainty. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's that simple. Oh, <laughs> uh, thank God! Thank God! No one's appliances are worth anything. <laughs> yeah. Thank God. Yeah. If we would. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. You oh. know, uh, there's another more recent one, right? And this is, that was when we were single guys, right? Like, imagine, like, we're just single guys, you know, thinking that, you know, in our 30s, this magic is going to happen. We're going to get signed and we're going to live the rock star lifestyle, right? That, that was the delusion there. Here's a more recent one that I think helps you understand the pressures, right? Now, now fast forward, you know, real responsibilities, families, kids, right? And Groovebox Studios was failing and we were still wrapped up in the, we need to be part of this infrastructure investment in Detroit, right? And we had this opportunity to acquire this this building that could be like this incubator, and, and you know we just didn't have the funds. So we got introduced to a guy who has the money, right? But this guy also happens to be a certifiable Nazi racist, angered ball of hate nut job, <laughs> you know. And, and you know he's like, oh yeah, sure, we'll, we'll we'll take you around. We'll 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 go get the funding. Let's go, let's go drive around, and look at alternative buildings, so we can negotiate, right? And there's this moment where Jeff and I are in this guy's car, just in the front seat. I'm in the back seat, and this guy's a real estate dude, and literally like has a tattoo on the low on his lower back 
of Hitler sitting with Jesus on a park bench, right? Like this guy is yep. certifiable nut job. And um, we're driving around in his car, and he had some sort of like real estate thing going sideways where he needed a signature on like a very like a, a legally binding document, like he could be like federal prison fraud. And you know, his wife doesn't have a signature, and he's talking to his wife on the phone, the mother of his children. And he's just screaming at her, get the signature, get the signature, get the signature, get the signature, get it, get it, get it, get it, get it, get it, get, get, get. And he's just, he's like literally like having an out-of-body anger experience while driving. And Jeff's just looking at me in the front seat like, what the fuck are we doing? Yeah. Like, if we could if we could have like stuntman rolled out of that car going down the highway, we would have. Yeah. Like, it's like so aggressive. I've never been in a scenario that was more aggressive than this guy weaving in and out of traffic, ninety miles an hour down the lodge, you know, screaming at his wife. I'm in the back yeah. seat. Sean's in the front, and and we're and we're literally just hanging out with this guy so that we he might has the money to get us this building. That the building. Oh my god! It's, what the yeah. fuck are we doing? Like, but you know, that one, one wasn't delusion. That was that was pressure. You know. That was that was the pressure of gotta have the stability, and you know, in that moment, the answer was take a pause, work a couple day jobs, and don't ride around with a lunatic. <laughs> I've I've got one last question. Um, so we're in the you know we're in the social media era. We're in the modern you know digital market. Uh, there are lots of tools out there that you can use you know, inexpensively, you know, you don't have to make a two year contract, you know, you, um, uh, you can, you know, you don't have to have custom software coded for you. You can cobble together a business from, you know, inexpensive tools, but at the same time, the social media landscape is brutal. You know, people who make mistakes on Twitter can be doxxed and savaged, you know, with, with comments, you know, um, your failures linger, you know, you, you know, two years later, somebody can dig up an old tweet and say, Hey, you never said that, or you made promises that, you know, you didn't follow through on, you know, when your crowdfunding campaign, you know, is the coolest and it fails, you know, um, you know, there's a, it's a pretty high profile failure with a lot of, you know, uh, you know, potential, uh, you know, internet fallout. My question to you is, do you think it's, easier to fail now? Is, is it easier to have the right mindset about failure now? Or is it harder to have the right mindset about failure now in order to succeed as an entrepreneur? I, I think you have to have a mindset that you're completely comfortable with all your warts in life, right? Like yeah. that, that as long as at the core you can openly talk about it, right? So if, again, if anybody were to, you know, call me and say, man, that was, you were a dick to me that time. I would probably be like, listen, here's what was going on, you know? And I would, I would own it instantly. I wouldn't, you know, double, I, I think I wouldn't double down anymore, right? Or I would attempt not to, right? Um, on, on the mistake or the, or the failure. So, you know, here, here's an example that just happened to us recently, which I don't even know if you guys know this or not. So you guys might be hearing this for the first time, but, um, you know, so we do a lot of cold email outreach, right? That's one of our strategies. And, dude, some absolute troll douchebag uh, put me on some uh, spam site and said, this guy's spamming, right? And, and uh, then he went and tried, he's asking me to, 
to pay him $500 and he'll take it down because he gets a lot of Google, um, you know, rank, page rank. So he's like literally blackmailing us right now to pay him $500 and he'll take down the fact that I spammed him. So I could sit here and live in this sort of like, oh my God, we have to stop what we're doing. Oh my God, stop, stop, stop. Or what I did was I just went into the comment section and I actually addressed it. And I said, listen, I, you know, you ran a crowdfunding campaign and I sent you an email to see if you wanted to talk to me. If anybody out here believes that I am some complete douchebag, asshole, spammer, you know, I will talk to you. I got no issues talking to you. I don't have fear. I'm not going to let this guy, this troll, you know, stop our business, stop our company. You know, so that's, that's going to, you know, I don't even know where it exists because I, I can't even find it, but like this guy is threatening that. So, you know, that's a small example. You know, if I was the coolest and I think they've attempted or, or, or well, actually, you know what? We've talked about this a lot here is, you know, the, the failed campaigns that attempt to start doing, um, you know, damage control where they put out the video. I mean, I think in our Slack channel, we have a, a good conversation around that. Um, you know, I think ultimately you have to sort of put the finger, middle fingers up in the air and say, I don't care. And, and be okay with that. But to have that attitude, you need humility behind it to be able to actually have a conversation as to what happened around it. I mean, you know, I'm sure the sugar people in GBS, I know we've, 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 you know, ran over some people or couldn't deliver or something or whatever. It's life, right? It's just, it's just life. And, but if that person were to be in front of me right now, I'd be like, here's what happened. You know, Hey, our incubator closed. Sean, you and I know we had an incubator that closed, right? Like, you know, we did the best we humanly could, but at some point it was, I, there was just literally yeah. no gas left in the tank. It's just what it was. That simple. And, you know, and it's being honest about it. Yeah. And, you know, it's, uh, I think there's a way to fail too. Let's talk about that, right? You know, do you fail and shut off the lights on everybody? You know, there's a great reply all thread that's going on in that podcast about a, a picture company, you know, that has people's photos of their lives backed up online and it just went away and they lost all their photos, right? It's a horrible way to, to fail because, you know, you're, you're, you you immediately turn on your customer base, the people that believed in you and, and you know, ended in a way that they're, they're left in the lurch. You know, both of our failures, you know, there's definitely things that we couldn't follow through on that, that we wish we could have. But at no point did we just pull the plug and say, hey, all you crowdfunding people, yeah, you, you paid for this video or you paid for this experience. You don't get to come. We're going to go ahead and keep the money. Bye-bye. Screw you. You know, we we did the tough thing and wind it down, you know, oftentimes losing tons of money out of our own pocket and making sure all the obligations that, that we could meet were met before you shut it down. And that's, I think that's an important lesson if that failure is going to spin into the next business, how you fail is really going to color how successful and the integrity that next idea is going to have. And I think that's where some of the the, the social media burns are, is when, when people fail in a way that's really, really unethical and, and, and really hurts other people, like, like some of these you know, crowdfunding things we, we read about or, or companies we read about, that's going to color your ability to move on, for sure. Cool. Well, that's a good conversation, I think. Yep. So that's what it's like, uh, you know, pushing the yep. rock, man. And if anyone wants a giant kick drum flight case, 
<laughs> at Sean at woodshed.agency. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh. I can see 